Hey, what's up? Quinn Bailey here, Savage Sports Talk. I am the King of Strong Star Radio coming at you. Uh, formerly a beast of Sports Gab and Sports Queued Up. So um, here I am recording this show today. Beautiful day out here, 421. I'm joined by my main man, Hank Russell. How you doing? What's going on, man? Long time no see. Yeah, it's good to see you, man. You're just sitting here next to me recording this uh, on this beautiful day out here. Absolutely, absolutely, man. You know, it's it's one of the things, you know, is that – we're literally doing some social distancing. You can't see it right now, but we're about 10 feet away from each other. And but we, we said, fuck that, man. We're not going to not be in the same room together. We're going to at least be within 20 feet of each other. Right, right. But, you know, the rule's six feet, so we're good. Right. <laughs> but uh, anyways, man, so a few things today. Uh, you see uh, Gronk's going to come out of retirement once we traded to Bay. I mean, I, uh, it, 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 does it surprise anybody that he came out of retirement? No. Did it surprise that he chose to go to uh, to uh, Tampa Bay? Of course not. So that's I – mean, how, how much of it do you think was Tom Brady calling him, asking him to come out of retirement? Oh, I don't think it's that much at all. I really you don't, don't think he had any persuading at all? I don't think he had any persuading. I mean, clearly some conversations were made. You know, it's like I know that they're friends. They played together for, what, nine seasons or something like that? So I mean I'm sure the I'm sure maybe it came up in conversation kind of like hey wait a minute maybe you should come out of retirement and then you know, then you know hey you you you're not under contract so you can choose whatever team you want that it will take he is he, he is under contract they're gonna have to trade him but I'm gonna say this this is this is how I think it went down I think Brady you know uh, coincidentally called him hey man how you doing not much nothing's going on blah 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 man sure would be cool man if we could play together again here in Tampa we got this beautiful. Florida weather and all this stuff and you know Gronk's a party animal and <laughs> kind of fitting to his setting I don't know I could just see how uh what seemed like an innocent phone call turned into a persuasion I you know that, that's that's probably that's kind of like what I was saying you know I think that there was no really beginning intention but I think it ended up that way now whose part would it be on more is it more on Tom Brady's part or is it more on Gronk's part more on Tom Brady I really think it's more on Gronk's man nah man go ahead because Gronk, Gronk retired too early, man. He was like 29 or he retired. And he didn't, and he, of course, he had some damage to him. But, you know, I mean, these NFL players, they're lasting way longer than they should be nowadays. I mean, it's not like, like we're looking at, when you look at somebody like Antonio Brown, who was 32 and a highly demanded, you know, pick for the Raiders and the uh, New England Patriots, you know, 32 was considered way out of your prime back in the day. So I think that's a good thing about Gronk is that I think he's still got the itch. Well, here's my thing about Gronk. He's so live-in-the-moment type of guy. Like, he's not very cerebral. You know what I mean? Be like, just on the fly. Right. So, so, I think if there was any attention between the two, I'm just saying it would be Brady talking him out, not Gronk hitting him up trying to get a feel or whatever, you know? No, that makes sense. And, you know, I, I, if nothing else, it'll make the Tampa Bay Buccaneers – way more interesting than they have been for the past, what, 17 years or something like that? Well, you know, last year they were 8-8. Eight and eight. Six, six of the losses by, were by one possession. So, uh, as I touched on yesterday, Jameis Winston threw 30 picks last, last season. Over the last five years, Tom Brady's thrown 29. Now, I do think that number will go up this year because uh, he'll stretch the field more, won't be dumping off the running backs quite as much as he was in New England's offense. But uh, it'll still he'll play a whole lot more safe. Uh, but it's interesting. It's, it's exciting. It is. It is. And and what I was elaborating on is that, yeah, I mean, clearly, Jameis Winston, great quarterback. You know, I mean, you know, he's he's got some chops. But the thing about it is, is that 
you know, who's box office in the NFL? That's one of the things that the NFL doesn't have right now is like who are box office? And you know, the Patrick Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, there you go. They're box office and Tom Brady with the Patriots. Aaron Rodgers is in the conversation. But who is but but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they haven't been considered box office in quite some time. I mean, when they since Warren Sapp, yeah. Yeah, since Warren Sapp, yeah, absolutely. So this is this makes it more interesting. I like to see more teams that are box office. Like I have nothing personally against the Patriots anymore. But the thing about it is is that they've been on top so long, man. We need some more box office teams. Yeah, man. It's time for a change. It's been time for a change. About time that division got a little bit better. Uh, I don't know. That was, that was some breaking news. This went down the last hour or so, but uh, no, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty interesting. It'd be a good trade. It's exciting. I think it is too, and and, and it's gonna happen. It's yeah. gonna happen. I mean, you know, Belichick's gonna rebuild, and, and Robert Kraft. You know, look, he got six rings. I mean, they they got it, and within twenty years, that's impressive. How long does Belichick stick around? I give him maybe three more, two or three more seasons. Because does he retire with the Patriots? Of course, absolutely. I don't think he. I don't think he could. I don't think any other team would be able to uh, work with this system. You know, he's he's got such a tight knit system. I don't see off the top of my head anybody working with him. But yeah, him retiring as a Patriot. Here's the thing: when I say three years, that's how long he has to create a new brand up at the New England Patriots without Tom Brady. And if he can't create that brand, then yes, he'll probably retire. How about this scenario? Bruce Arians coaches two more years, retires. Milicic goes to Tampa. <laughs> All things are possible, obviously. Yeah, that shit ain't, that shit ain't happening, man. No, I, I, no, I'm just – hey, I, I can see it. I'm not saying that it's – I give it like one of those – so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> right, one in a million at best, man. Exactly. So, uh, you're – did you watch the documentary on the Jordan and the Bulls the other day? I did, and I watched it again last night as well. What are your thoughts on it? I think it's a fantastic documentary. I really do. I It, it blew my expectations. I, a lot of people said otherwise, but I really – I don't know what more you want. You can't get more behind the scenes of what happened not only in 1997, 1998, but they talk about the man's legacy in the 80s and early 90s. I mean, and you, and there's and there's eight more episodes to go. I think it's fantastic. I know. I'm so excited, man. Episodes one and two just passed, and then coming up this week's my bad boys. So, you know, I'm a lifelong Piston fan. Of course. And uh, so uh, I'm pretty excited about that. And they'll go into Dennis Rodman from there because they went over with Jordan and Pippen first. And then, yeah. And I think they'll, I think they'll go behind the scenes more with Phil and stuff like that because, like you said, we, we got a lot out of two episodes. Man, you got eight more to go. I mean, how much more can you talk about in eight episodes? But uh, damn it, they're learning. They're doing it. They are. It, it, it seems to be well written and produced. This is pretty exciting. But I, I'm gonna say this, man. The thing that's come away is the big talk is about Scottie Pippen, underpaid. Yeah. Uh, now everybody's put throwing up his stats and saying what a beast he was. If you didn't already know how cold and how great Scottie Pippen was then, there's no point in you trying to come out and act like you know now. Top 50 easily greatest of all time now. You know? Well, well I know in his prime there in the 90s, man, he was a top 5 to 10 player in the league. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And I'm talking about greatest of, top 50 greatest of all time. You know, yeah. You, you put him on that list and you put him above 50, you're crazy. Him and Gary Payton are the best on-ball defenders I've ever seen. I agree with that one. I think that's a – I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that would surpass them otherwise. Yeah. 
Jordan, Kobe, and Tony Allen in the conversation, but I'll go with uh, Pippen and Kerry Payton. It's the top two, the best that I ever saw play defense. But, you know, let me ask you this. Because I, I said this, man. I said, man, after I went 72-10, and 10, greatest team of all time, at that point, Pippen should have negotiated his contract instead of waiting for the last year. Yeah. So I, I thought probably could have handled himself a better situation, showed himself to be more valuable. We called that last year. They're ready to move you. You're expendable at that point, you know. But uh, dude was a beast, man. Like I said, he was him and Grant Hill were probably the best all-around players, if you want to put it that way. Right. Uh, in the NBA in the mid-90s. Uh, I don't know. It was a cool documentary. I hated the Bulls. You know, I'm a Pistons fan, but respect. Now, I call it like I see it. There's no bias in my Of assessment. course. Well, let me ask you this. What was something you learned in those two first two? I know my answer already. What was the first that you learned in those two documentaries, the first two episodes that you didn't really know about or you were like needed to be reminded of? Pippin's salary situation. Yes. Okay. I didn't realize there was that much turmoil. I didn't know going into the last year that Kraus <laughs> had made up his mind that this was it. You know what I mean? I didn't know it was almost over with after 97. So sort of the backstage politics. I knew about the tension, but the one thing, and, and mine definitely deals with Jerry Krause. I mean, I had no idea that from like 85 until the day that, you know, Jordan left the Bulls, that there was this tension between him and Jerry Krause, which would put a lot of strain on players, you know, and just shows the greatness of Jordan, man. Me personally, I I had no idea. You heard him cracking them jokes. Did you hear him cracking them jokes towards Jerry Krause? Oh, yeah. What did he say to him? He said, uh, he said, uh, oh, yeah, they were going to practice layups or something like that on the court or jumpers. Yeah. And he said, man, lower the goal. No, we need to yeah. lower the goal. But Yeah, it's just hilarious. Dude look like a midget, man. Yeah. What, I love the story about the aspirin, though. That was my favorite part of the whole thing. Did you see that one about the aspirin? Yeah. Yeah, he said, he said if, there, if there's a 10 aspirin on the table and you got one that's poison, you don't know what, which one it is, would you take the chance of picking one of the aspirin? He said, well, how bad's the headache? Yeah. That's, 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 I like that. I respect that perspective. You know what I mean? But there's no way he should have been playing at the end of that season no. with that much on the line. But uh, I'm going to say this, man. I knew about the tension between Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause, like general manager. Right. I didn't know it trickled down like it did, man. I knew about – I'm like you. I, I knew about – because I remember the last three rings very clearly. And I knew that there was some tension between those two. But I didn't realize that it was like one of those scenarios of like, even if you win 82 games, you're not here. You're not going to be here next year. And that's, that's a shame. You know, like what kind, of, what kind of sense does that make, too, you know, to try to rebuild your team when you just come off of a fifth victory in less than, in, in less than what, seven years or something like that, eight years? I mean, the, 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 I would absolutely go apeshit thinking about some stuff like that. Let me ask you this. What can LeBron James do to get in the argument of surpassing Michael Jordan? I think it would have to be on on-court ability. You know, your boy Lambeer, he was talking about it the other day, actually. You know, the, the fact he thought LeBron was the greatest of all time because of his past first mentality. Let me cut you off. Let me cut you off. All the Pistons are full of shit. They're haters. I love the Pistons. Yes. But they're haters, man. They're all shit on Jordan. Uh, that, when well, they get a chance. I think that I think it's a biased bias opinion. I really do. I, I'm with you on that one. I, I think it is a biased opinion. But that would be the argument you would have to make because, yes, statistically LeBron is probably going to defeat Jordan in almost every aspect of the game. I don't know about – Jordan might have him on steals and rebounds. I'm not sure. I have to look those up. But, you know, 
I think that sometimes you just really had to watch it while it happened, even if you watch old footage. Like, we weren't around, we weren't old enough whenever the Pistons were, you know, in their prime. I mean, I know, you know, there's some vague memories of it, but we we know that because of that series with them and the Bulls over a four or five year span, it challenged Jordan and made him the greatest of all time to the point that when he never had to go to a seven game series in the finals. Yeah, not in the finals. He did in the playoffs. Right, in the play- but, uh, yeah. And the Pistons did grind him out. All I'm saying is, though, the, their opinions are biased. They are. And they shit on Jordan whenever they get a chance. My boy, Isaiah Thomas, favorite player of all time, named my daughter after him. Yeah. Um, he, I take LeBron. Come on, dude. You know LeBron's not greater than Michael. I understand the theory. He sets everybody up. Jordan makes everyone better in practice. Yes. Jordan makes everyone better every day, not just when the game lights are on. I mean, you know, I don't see how you could argue with, like, even to the point I mean, like, I think we're just so caught up in the moment with LeBron. We tend to forget that, like, when I believe that the same stats that LeBron had at 10 years was the same ones that Larry Bird had when he had 10 years in the league. So we tend to forget that as well. So I I think it's just an in-the-moment thing. You know, he's been around a long time now. I I think that – it's one of those things that we'll have to look like in 20 years. LeBron will probably be retired for only three years. But <laughs> well, he said he wants to play at the same time as his son. Yeah, that sounds about right. He could he could do it. If he keeps himself in shape, he could play at least till 40. How much does it benefit him having this break? I think it benefits him tremendously. I really do at his age. I mean, me and LeBron are about – me and LeBron are close to the same age, and I can't imagine, you know – doing an 82 game stretch without needing some form of like ice bath every night after I get done, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, I'm going to say this. I don't think there's any chance. There's anything he can do to surpass or even come close to the greatness of Michael Jordan. He can surpass Kobe Bryant, but he ain't done that in my eyes yet. No, you know, Kobe was another one. If you watch like documentary footage of him, he's like Jordan, you know, he made guys better in practice, you know? And I'm not saying LeBron probably didn't, but, you know, you got to show it. You got to show it to me. And, and that's not something that you're showing. Do I put, I watching, go ahead. Let me ask you something. I remember a couple of years ago, you said that you didn't even put LeBron in the top ten. Do you consider him top ten now? Yes, he's top five I've ever seen. Okay. that's At least you're being fair. I'm just going to see how fair you were. <laughs> how many years ago was that? And it was probably at least, what, 2016? Yeah, six. I think it was like in sixteen when we were talking. Oh, you were talking about that. Uh, you said uh, you had a, you had a pretty good, and it was a good argument. I can't remember what it was, but you said why you didn't even put LeBron in the top ten. So, but a lot's changed since then. Yeah, a lot has changed. Uh, I don't remember that conversation, uh, but I'm sure whatever argument I made was pretty valid and had great points. Yeah, I mean, it's the only, ar- it's the only type of arguments I make. Do what? It's the only type of arguments I make. <laughs> Yeah. That's just that's just it, man. You know, like I don't know, like a lot of people I don't even sometimes put him above magic, you know. I didn't see magic, I didn't see his prime. I only go by what I saw, especially if I saw them guys play in their prime. If I didn't see him in the prime, I don't consider him in my conversation. I don't think it's fair. Well, here's the reason why I put it and I'm not gonna like I'll put it in, in a perspective of like why magic probably could have been better than LeBron James is that because of the first eight years of Magic's career, he wasn't the first option. You know, he was the point guard. He had to create the plays for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 
And then, you know, you got in the late 80s whenever, you know, Coach, uh, Coach Riley said, hey, man, uh, look, you need to be the scorer now. You need, to be, you need to be the shoot first and then pass second time. So what does, that, what does that say for somebody's legacy? Same thing with, like, Tim Duncan. You know, Tim Duncan could possibly have been – he's the greatest power forward of all time easily. But think about how Greg Popovich took them out in, like, the fourth quarter all the time. Who's the second best power forward? Probably Carl Malone. Maybe. Uh, it's off the top of my head. I can't. I didn't. I go Charles Barkley over Carl Malone, but I'm a Carl Malone hater, so I might be biased. I, I don't think I am. I make a great argument with Charles Barkley. Okay, but I'm anti Carl Malone alone, so I'll admit that there, there, there are fewer sadder moments in my life than when DDP teamed up with Carl Malone. Yeah, <laughs> I was so pissed off because I'm a huge DDP mark, and uh, when Carl Malone was because I fucking hate Carl Malone. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. Look. But, but yeah, off the top of my head, like I said, Carl Malone. But I, I mean, who, who would be another one? Off the top, Barkley, Garnett, Dirk. Dirk. You know what? You know what? I take you know that. I'd say because I keep forgetting Dirk is a power forward because of his the way he played the position. But if you, I don't know if I consider him really a real power forward. You know, I really don't because he stretched the floor way too much during the time when the power forwards. Do you, do you think he's because I've always said this. That once that European style basketball came over to America in the NBA, do you think Dirk's the face of the change of the perimeter, the big guys becoming perimeter and like small guys kind of becoming the inside guys? Yes, but he didn't get credit for it. A lot of guys like him are quiet. They don't get credit for what they do. You know, Dirk. What do you think? Should he get credit for it, though? That's what I'm asking. I think that. Yes, I believe he should. I really do. Because. Just because you're not loud about it doesn't and doesn't mean that the other NBA players didn't recognize. You know that they like talk about him having the best one uh, one foot step back jumper of all time. You know they they talk about that, but you never hear like in barbershop talk ever anybody ever talk about that. Well, we know though he's, he's white. European, whatever you know what I mean. So he gets put in a different category. That's just the way. It right. Is. Well, you know, when you don't have that, when you don't have charisma to back up your, you know, your game. Well, I don't even think it's about charisma. You look at it. Black quarterbacks have the same problem. White wide receivers, uh, you know, and white basketball players, they get put in their own category. Larry Bird never gets brought up in greatest of all time because he's a white player. You like you said a while ago, his number is merely LeBron James. He never fucking gets mentioned. Right. Because it's because he's white. Because he's, he's not athletic. And I'm throwing him a quotation mark. Can't nobody fucking see it, but I'm throwing him up. But that's why he's not athletic because he's, he's white. 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 He's way more athletic than he's he is. I mean, you know, I mean, Steve Nash was never really athletic, but he was one of the best damn point guards to play in the 2000s. He won the MVP. No, Steve Nash didn't play defense. So when you don't play both sides of the ball, you can't be in that greatest goat. Ish. Right, but I mean, but as far as core general skills, that's Steve Nash in the early 2000s. What did that do in the playoffs, man? It won a lot of regular season games, gets to the playoffs. That's true, that's true. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that he was a quiet guy, too. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to argue. I get irritated. No, 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 you're right. But here's the thing about it. But look, think about it this way. 
you know, like I said, he was quiet. He didn't have to, you know, I mean, same thing with, you know, I'm thinking off the top of my head, another like superstar white guy, you know, I mean, the, the most of them are really quiet guys. I mean, Lambeer, he wasn't a quiet guy. Guess what? Think about it. He had his own video game in the early 90s, late 80s. Remember that Bill Ambeer basketball? Yeah. Basketball, yeah. You have to make noise to be able to get your, to get marketing deals and stuff like that. That's why you don't see a white guy in the NBA with a shoe. They're not charismatic. So, so I don't, I don't, so going back to Dirk, Dirk really changed the position of the power forward and not to mention invented his own, you know, style of like a fadeaway jumper that doesn't get recognized in barbershop talk all the time. So, so I'm going to put you on the record here. You're saying Dirk's the second best power forward you've ever seen behind Tim Duncan. Off the top of my head, if you want, yes, if you could, I just listened to the top five, six, so you could take them from there, put them together, over Garnett, over Barkley, over Malone, over Pal Gasol, Sean Kidder, Chris Webber, whoever you want to put up there. You're taking Dirk. You're taking Dirk. I would take Dirk, absolutely. I would take, I think I would take Dirk at this point in time. No fucking way. Okay. All right. Okay. He's a better rebounder than giving credit for and he had a lot of more impact, maybe, because changing the style of play. Which might be a better player. Kevin Garnett, elite defender. He can guard perimeter. He can guard bigs. You know what I mean? Charles Barkley, though, is the second best I ever saw. The things he did with the basketball, he's one of the most efficient scorers in the history of the NBA. That He's the most efficient scorer in the NBA history that's not a center. Right? He scored 55% of his shots. All right, for a career, 23 points and 12 rebounds. And that's watered down at the end of the year. His MVP Season. He was deteriorating statistically over the last four years. Yeah, but if you look at it, man, uh, with Garnett, you know, which I put Garnett top five, obviously. But the thing about the reason why I don't put him above Dirk is in, in, to to add kind of add on to what you were saying is that in the in the late two thousands when they were dominating the NBA. You know, it was a that was a defensive minded team. You know, Paul Pierce even had some defensive skills on his side. You know, he he had some. Underrated lockdown defender skills. And same thing with Rajon Rondo. Underrated lockdown defender skills. And I think that you could contribute, you know, they're the reason LeBron was Right, exactly. No, and I've said that before. I think he's, I think not only, well, obviously front office stuff too, of course, but that's that's the main one on the court. I'm going to bring back to the Dirk argument. Dirk may have had a greater career. I'd rather have Chris Webber. I, I, he is the most forgotten when this conversation comes. I would just because I put Dirk number two doesn't mean I would rather have him over somebody else. I would pre- I would prefer somebody like with a little bit more grittier style that can that doesn't have to stretch the floor. Somebody like Garnett or somebody like uh, you know even uh, even somebody like Horace Grant. I don't I don't put Horace Grant in top ten power forwards, but somebody that that can, that didn't have that knew his role. That's the that's problem with Dirk. I don't think Dirk knew his role enough. And I think that cost him more championships, especially in the the mid-2000s. Well, you know, the year they had their best year, they got beat by Golden State in the first round, one versus eight. 
which is the only time I believe that happened in a seven-game series. Since went the best seven in 2 I think. And then when they won their ring against Miami, they shouldn't have fucking won Right. Right. Miami should have swept them. That's the worst championship team I ever saw in NBA Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. You know, Shaq brings up the point, he says, that if you took Chris Webber off the Sacramento teams, you know, they were constantly 55, 60 wins. They're 35 winning teams. He talked about the greatness of Chris Webber. I just think he gets forgotten of how how good he was, but how great he was. He didn't didn't have no pieces around him. That was his problem. He really didn't. If I recall, I don't recall anybody being all-star caliber or even close to being above, like, role average. Peja Peja was a great shooter. Right, Jason Williams is too young. If they would have had, had Bibby a year they earlier, they would have beat the Lakers, in my opinion. I know it was 01. That was Grizzly's first year in Memphis. I was in jail, and I was watching the game on TV. That's why I remember it so well. You know what I mean? They let you watch in jail. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Lawrence is not violent. Can't watch wrestling. Can't watch them with guns. Can't watch them with violence. They wouldn't let you watch wrestling. What the hell? No, I was so pissed. Smackdown came on. Tornado. I was like, hell yeah. And then also it's on PBS or some shit. You know, that's almost 20 I, I know years there's ago. a lot of Mexicans in there. How do you say you got me fucked up in Spanish? I'd be like, God damn. I don't know. I heard Mexican got boots. <laughs> but you need a knife, bro. Yeah, but- let me ask you this. Back to the Power 4 conversation. It was interesting. How does a guy like Dennis Rodman get into it? Because he was so great in impact. But he's not a guy that you can build a team around like the other guys. Rodman. So how does he get the recognition he deserves in that type of talking about Rodman? Yeah. Well, number one, because he was six foot seven. That's very small for a Power 4, just like Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley was an efficient scorer. So. Number two, number two, I think that I think because of his antics on the court and off the court, stuff like that, it will always it will outshine always him outshine as far as his ability as as to play. Ability but you and I both know that, even especially when he was with the Pistons, with the Pistons you know, that man, you know, he won defensive player of the year. You know, he was an all-star. How many defensive players do you know make all-star? I don't know too many. I don't know too many. All of them. Let me rephrase Except for Tony it. Allen. Except for Tony Allen, because he got fucked. Yeah, well, he did, but yeah, I mean, well, he did, but I mean, okay, like in this, okay, like in this, I, and I'm even thinking of the I'm last thinking 15, the last no, let me, we'll, we'll no, do 10 years, I'm not going to count the distance of the mid 2000s, but who in the last 10 years really had defensive really mindsets had defensive that made the All Star game? Maybe Roy Hibbert. Kobe Bryant. But he's Kobe Bryant. Right. But but the last ten years, the game has changed we'll so think of, much. There's no. Well, no. Here's here's where I'm getting at. All right, and they'll probably show it on the documentary. And remember when Rod? I think it was the game six against the Utah Jazz. The man scored zero points. and twenty rebounds. And twenty rebounds. The, the, Rodman was obviously Rodman with the Pistons. He was scoring, but not like efficiently. He was he was mostly no. defensive he was guy. He was a dirty work guy. guy. He, he did. Re- he only averaged double figures once in his career, <laughs> right? Believe. But right. Here, but but you get what I'm saying, right? That, with Detroit, he was a perimeter defender. He guarded Pippen right. and Jordan. When he and then he moved to the four once Sally and Lambeer were out of there. So but you get what I'm saying, right? Why why Rodman is special? Because he does. Because he was never. Like every one of those all stars that you see over the past ten years, even in the um, and I'm thinking of even the early nineties, they were all offensive scoring machines. They scored no less than 15 points a game. You know, yeah. you know, even if because you can't build your team around a guy 
you can't get the ball. That's what I'm saying. That's what made Rodman so special, though, as a player. No, you can't build a team around him, but that's what made him one of the greats and why he was an all-star. Because people recognized that he was the dirty work, man. I, I saw Tony Allen being like Dennis Rodman. You know, great defensive stats, great lockdown defensive skills. And he probably should have made the all-star like Rodman did in the early 90s and late 80s for So you would agree with me, the fact that you can't build a team around him is why he doesn't get into the conversation. Of oh, oh, of course. That's the, that's the. And is that valid? It's what? Is it valid? Valid enough. I can't, I can't. Because I would say this, if I got a, already got a good player, like whoever you want to name, right? Uh, of course, if you had Jordan or Grand Hill or Penny or anybody that can have the ball, right? And be an all-star. Then you can put Rodman with right. them. He's your second guy. Right. He's your second guy. Right. That's cool. Because he, he can make an impact. He makes everybody play harder. Makes them better. You know what I mean? Because I know when I played, I always play right. hard. Right? But when I would see somebody else play hard, and I felt like I would, I started playing even harder. You know what I mean? I always brought I'm not going to let them outwork me. No, I mean? Hardly anybody ever worked for him. I worked right. No one ever. No, I mean, you know, maybe, you know, maybe like certain superstars. Because you brought up, no, no one outworked him. Uh, I'm not saying he outworked everybody else, but nobody ever outworked him. His energy and his effort was always there. But I'm gonna say this: you said he was six, 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 seven, two hundred fifteen pounds. He's under two twenty. He would guard Shaq. Carl Malone, like I said, he could even even older. He could get out on the, out on the, the perimeter and defend. Oh, absolutely! Height has some, sometimes doesn't have a lot to do with it. Like Kevin Durant got his ass handed to him by Tony Allen. He's like six foot eleven, and Tony in that playoff series. I remember yeah. Kevin Durant. It's, it's funny because that was the year Westbrook got hurt and Grizzlies beat the Thunder. And Kevin Durant did not go to the post one time with a seven-inch advantage. After that seed, I noticed, I noticed Kevin Durant developed a uh, yeah, post game. I always respected that. I always respected no, that. I, I agree with you on that. I think it was one of those. I, it, yeah, that made him yeah, better. No, I agree. And, and that goes. But at that point, he didn't have a post game, and it was exploited. He couldn't post up Tony yeah. Allen. Yeah, I mean. And you know, Tony Allen, Kobe said that's the best. Right, exactly. I, I think Tony had such a – I saw him explaining it to Ryan Hollins on, uh, on SportsCenter one time. Ryan Hollins is a yeah. fucking idiot. Well, that's why he had to explain it to him. <laughs> I can't stand that motherfucker, man. You know what Tony's nickname for him was? The booty call. He called him the booty call because he kept coming back for these 10 day contracts whenever we needed him. So he called him the booty call. Ryan resented that. And I'm like, dude, you're lucky you're a sports analyst, <laughs> much less a basketball player. Hey, I never liked that dude, Ryan. No, but, the... but, you see what I'm, but you see what I'm saying? Like, he was explaining it. Tony explained it to where he had a great presence of mind on the court. You know, he knew, he knew when to drop, well, he knew when to, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, trap them, tra- trap offensive players. He knew when to back off. He knew when to let the big man have it. You know, the way he explained it, man, he really was an underrated, brilliant mind of the defensive playing skills of the NBA. Psychology, baby. It's just like pro wrestling. Psychology is so eye contact. If, if, if you can beat somebody before you even get on the court, if you can already piss them off before oh, the tip off, Tony's an eye contact. A lot of people didn't notice, but like his eye contact with players on the court really had a lot to do with it. He would fool guys. He was crafty as hell. Same thing with Rodman. That's why I say he's kind of like a Rodman Jr. Rodman's well, well, the defensive guy 
have to be psychologists. You know what I mean? They got to be strategic. Right, exactly. That's exactly what I mean. And then a lot of effort. Exactly. Man. No. Because to step on the court and be the shutdown guy, the defensive guy, man, that's one hell of a mental mindset. Swear, you ain't lying. I mean, it's. But you know that that's one of the, that's one of the things that like you know going back to the power four position, you know, with Dennis Rodman, I think he played the position the way that he knew best way he could do it. You know, I mean, the fact that. You know, he wasn't a big shooter. You couldn't put him at small forward. That was good. That was Pippen's position. You could have put him at small forward when he was uh, with the Pistons hardly, even though John Sally kind of took that position. But he did play the small forward position more as a, as a Piston, but he probably should have been playing power forward because of his lack of, you know, perimeter shooting. Defense, baby. Athleticism. Oh, man. People always ask me. And I, I think I told you this on your uh, on your previous radio show. You know, what was that, like two years ago? You asked me who my favorite players were. And I, and I think my second – and my, I can't remember who my first one was, but my second one was Rodman. Rodman really – like, I always loved the guys that do the dirty work. That's what made Bird so great. He played like Rodman and he scored like – and he scored like any, you know, any proficient score that there was out there. Let me ask you this. Speaking of power forward, should Chris Bosh gotten in the Hall of Fame? Who does he what? Should he have gotten in the Hall of Fame this year? Was he up for it this year? I didn't know he was up for it this year. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know he didn't get in because they're focused on Garnett, Kobe, and uh, and Duncan. Well, when Kobe got thrown in, I think it kind of bumped him out because you only get so many people in a year. So I think when Kobe got in, he kind of got bumped out. But rightfully so. Kobe should have gone in. Bosch definitely deserved it. Bosch contributed to – he he was a great contribution to two rings for that you know for that Miami Heat organization. He was a great contributor when he was with his previous team. You know, I I think that it's another thing of like surely they talked to him about it. They had to have a behind the scenes conversation with him about it because personally, all right, who who all's in this year's Hall of Fame class this year? Uh, I know there's a couple of female players. I'm sorry, I'm talking, I don't have any in front of me. Kevin Garnett. Kobe. Uh, right, Kobe. And, I, and I know that Tim Duncan's uh, or he what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. those Duncan. three. Would you want to be put in a Hall of Fame class swallowed up with those three legends? Hell yeah. It's going to be the most watched Hall of Fame. The most decorated Hall of Fame class maybe we'll Well, then Bosch would have to be the opening act. <laughs> he would have, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's not dim. I just oh, think absolutely. He's dirty, man. I think he's kind of slept on for how good a player he was. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to say this. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are late 2000. What are the chances they could beat the 96 Bulls? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I mean, Draymond. Why is it tough? Why is it well, tough? Who, if they could beat the, the Bulls, would whoop their ass. Uh, yeah, but people don't give like guys like Draymond Green enough credit. Guys like him, you know, he was just as phys- he's just as physically tough as any player in this league that ever played the game. If he was if he was around during the late '80s with the uh, you know the Pistons, he would have been a perfect fit for the league, in my opinion. Then you got like Zaza Pachulia, who was obviously a, a below average role player, but did enough on defense. He did enough on defense that year to. You know, who's guarding Jordan, Jordan, dog? Clay Thompson? No, Clay's not guarding. Clay's not guarding. Iguodala? Curry ain't fucking guarding him. Curry's guarding him. No, no. I mean, it had to be either Iguodala or uh, or Draymond. Clay Thompson? 
Oh, yeah? Who's sticking with Rodman? Rodman's tech tearing that ass up on the boards. They're not messing with them bulls, man. I don't care which rules you play with. You can play with these rules. Those defense rules, wins, defense wins, baby. And Golden State's a great That's defensive team. So That's why they were and so I'm wa- efficient. Yeah, but- and, I'm wa- and I'm trying to be fair, obviously. I'm, I'm obviously, fair. I have a you know great love for the 90s Bulls. I have a great love for them. But I'm trying to be fair here. But I'm trying to be fair I just don't see just you know don't it being as easy as you think it'd be. I think it would go to a seven-game series. I think it would. I don't see it. I don't see it. The proficient scoring alone of the Golden State Warriors would take it to a game seven. I think that they would lose. Okay. I think the Bulls would lose the first game. And then the rest of the seven, the rest of seven, that that would be shuffled back. If the Bulls lost game one, it's over in five. What? Bulls win? Hell yeah. They wouldn't look look back, man. They bully them motherfuckers around, man. You know, I'm not 100%. Excuse no. my language. No. I'm a little sad no, sometimes. Say fuck. <laughs> but no, I, I think it's a. Gr- I think it's a good. You know, like I said, I. Man, that's. You know, Gold State was a great team though. They're right. The best. Them and that best Lakers team three P from the two thousand. Let me ask you something. What about your What about your boys? The mid two thousands Pistons. I think they could take all the Bulls in the nineties. I really do. Defi- I really they were defensive defi- oriented. They were defensive oriented. I think they would beat the Warriors, but I don't think they were a greater team. You think that the? I think matchup wise, they would beat the Warriors in a series. But the longevity of what the Warriors did. I know the Pistons went to six straight championships, two straight finals, and all that, man. But the Warriors played five straight finals, yeah. man. Oh, you know what I mean? And that's and that's just no. They're they're beat down. They're beat. And then this year they're going to suck, get a good draft pick, get Wiseman somebody, and they're yeah. back. Oh yeah, they needed they needed this break. It's kind of the same thing about the Pistons in the late eighties. They were they didn't get beat by the Bulls so much. They got old, not necessarily aged, but they got beat down. And we, well, they they held on to the players too long without making moves. But uh, I'm gonna say this. Uh, I think I think. How funny is it? This is what I want to say. Because I brought up James Wiseman. Since the NCAA fucked Memphis, fuck Memphis State this now year, there's no now there's no tournament. Yeah. What about? Would you agree? Disagree? Would you agree? Ironic, disagree? Is cool? Ironic? Is it cool? Or what? The thoughts on? Like, oh, hold on. Uh, a little sound here, probably. But you're saying. So what you're asking me is, is do, do you think that like the tournament? Let me ask you this. Do you think the Do you think the James Wiseman situation? Was handled properly by the NCAA no. fairly. Okay. Having said that, okay. Having said that, that's what led to his dismissal. Him right. leaving the team, right? Because if he came back and played, right? play, it would have been further and fractious more than likely. Right. Of course. Right. Okay. So they fucked okay. Memphis so State. Right. 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 We can agree. We say it. We can agree. We say it. It's okay. Right. We got fucked. All right. All right. Now, so it hurt us. We got worse. No tournament looking for us. No tournament for anybody. Fuck you, NCAA. Right, 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 right. Is that okay to say? I don't see why not. I mean, I'd be pretty pissed not. too. I'm defensive. I'm defensive. I'm not biased. I stated that earlier. But I'm defensive. Right. Right. I'm all about fair play. Here's why I don't go to a lot of games in person. Right. Right. Because when the referees screw my team, I be wanting to fucking throw my cup at them. I want to go do a drive by fucking football. You know what I'm saying? Anything to say a ref, I'm an enemy against. When you try to screw my team, it pisses me the fuck off that like every time. 
every time. One of the, like I have no problem like, with I have no problem certain with players getting a little bit of help financially. You know, like they moved Wiseman from like Nashville. That's, that's, that's what they busted him for because he, he got he got help from Penny he got, he got to move from Nashville to Memphis. To move from right. Nashville to Memphis. Right, right exactly. Right. And that's what they're and they're penalizing him for shit like that. I mean, when he was just a booster of time, he wasn't even. There you go. University. That's what I'm saying. That's, you know, number one. And number two, even if it was the NCAA tournament, what, what, what does that say about your students? That says that we don't help you out at all. We don't want you to get through life, you know, with a little bit of less struggle. Like, we want you to keep eating six packs of hot dogs and, you know. Well, we're not going to get into the. Uh, NCAA hurting the kids, not helping the kids. Yeah, let me ask you this: How much do you think Calipari made a call? Oh. Hey, man, you know, Say, hey man, you know Memphis, blah blah. If it, it would, I'm not putting it past him. I wouldn't be surprised. I hate, I hate uh, You know, John did you see me take a picture with him two years ago on Facebook? Oh my goodness, man! I caught no. a lot of flack. If you look at my Facebook and Instagram, you can you go down my timeline. I took a picture with him. You'd have no idea how much flack I caught for taking a picture with him. But you deserve it. Keep your, you your friends close, your enemies closer. And you know what? I, and you know sometimes what? you just want to like. Sometimes you just want to like. I don't know. I don't know if 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 somebody you hate, like a world leader, or even like okay, like as as a as a, a sports fan, you know, I hated, you know, I hated Pac Man Jones uh, for the longest. I'd want to get close to him just to see what he's like, and just see everything from what kind of cologne he wears to what he to what you know, like his handshake is like all that. So to but to answer your question. And to, and to reemphasize, I can't stand the man either. And I think he did it. I think he did it. I wouldn't be putting it past him. I wouldn't be putting it past him. He played a role in it. Kyle Perry, I know he did, man. My dad always tells me you got to get over it. I ain't never get over it, dude. I'm a vindictive son bitch, right? You screw me? Man, we, we well, got some issues, you know, I mean, It's one thing what you did when they were your squad, but it's another you did it to a whole new squad. You ain't been here in 11, what, 10 years? Uh, I mean, that's just low down. It's not even your squad anymore. And you want to fuck that up for this young man? And guess what, though? You just made this young man a superstar. This guy's going to be, I mean, he's going to be probably the number one pick in the draft, potentially. Uh, you know, and I reserve the right to change my mind closer to the draft, of course. But you, you didn't hurt him. You you hurt the school a little bit because he hurt school badly. But of course, there's no tournament for anybody, so it didn't well, really. It just pisses me off. It makes you know. I remember somebody. I can't remember who it was that mentioned it. I want to say it was. I want to say it was Shannon Sharp, and he said something like, "You know, Memphis equal corruption," because this is the second time in ten years that this kind of thing has happened. And that's terrible because of the fact that we're not a high market team. We're, we're relevant whenever we have good players, but we're not like North Carolina or Kentucky or, you know, you name uh, Kansas, other elite basketball, college sports. So. We never will be. If you look at it, we, uh, like all our final fours. Wait, have been winning cures everything. If Penny, if Penny is to get this squad under control. Well, I'm just saying, here's what I'm saying. That mid-80s Final Four team where we lost to Villanova with Keith Lee, Dana Kirk shit, wiped off the book. The Calipari thing, wiped off the book. You know what I mean? Never, never <coughs> yeah. happened officially. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's sad. It's sad because the city of Memphis deserves more than that. They've always deserved more than that. You know, this city, this city. Don't act like we're not corrupt. Don't act like we, we're not we corrupt. Have corrupt. 
we're, 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 our best thing going for us is another 48, man. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I can't play the victim role in this as far as like us, but I, but I can, but I can tell you this somebody like California Perry who adopted this city pisses me off that he, that he fucked it up like he did. How special is Jay Morant? Does he, has he surprised you? Has he surprised He's, you? How he, good he, he surprised, surprised me, me. But do I see longevity as far as like championships? No. So he don't think he can take Memphis to being a contender? Not by himself. By himself. Not, Not with the squad himself. he has now. I think so here's the thing about obviously. <laughs> uh, and I'm only judging based upon what we've seen. You know, we, only they only played like what four months or something like that, five months, and not even that. It's just one of those things where he surprised the hell out of me. We became a playoff contender. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that we made the playoffs. I thought this was going to be another lottery pick here. Man, you even noticed like when uh, like when Mike Conley first got here, we were still like a 20 game 20 game winning season, and this cat takes us all the way to the eighth seed, and we potentially could have gotten the seventh seed. Well, the thing that changed the Grizzlies there was signing Zach Zebo, you know Zach Randolph. That's what changed right, the but you get what I'm saying. But, uh, right. You know, I mean, it's. That's why I've never seen anything like this. That's why I've never seen anything oh, like I love this. It. I think this is. You know what I mean? He's gonna be the best player ever. That will be if we keep him long. If we keep him long term. Who's the greatest Grizzly of all time right now? Who's the best player ever play for the Grizzlies? Probably Allen Iverson, but he only. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't mean like that because you get Iverson, Vince Carter, or whatever. I mean, like the best player to play as a Grizzly. Him or Mike? Zach Randolph. Over Powell Gasol. Powell, he got a couple All Stars with us, so I mean, it's a hard. That's a tough argument. That's a tough argument. But the, uh, I, I think that we didn't have him long enough to where, like, with with this organization the way it was at the time. I think that. I I, I don't know, like. I some 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 aspects I put Mark above. You know, Mark was a much better. Mark over Mark Powell. Above Powell? I, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying that's set in stone. That's set in shoe It's okay. That's how you feel. Because, because of the because of Mark's defensive mindedness, Mark was absolutely. You know, Mark was very versatile on the court. He was he was the leader of the squad. A lot of people don't remember he was the captain of the squad. But I just don't see him. Like, I mean. Powell to me wasn't here long enough to give. I mean, yeah, he was here what six seasons or something like that. That sounded about right. I don't think he had a chance to really grow with this organization while Mike. Like, imagine if he was here with Mike Conley. Like, imagine if he was here. Would we need Mark? No, of course not. Would we need Mark? No, of course not. Well, of course, if you had one or the other, but what if because Powell had Lorenzo? What if because Powell had Lorenzo? Really good player, great Memphis guy. He's no Zach Randolph, right? But uh, he's no Zach Randolph, right? Gasol didn't have to be a rebounder, so he don't have to get the rebound. He's, you know, the so he don't have to get the rebound. He stepped he's, away. You know, big the moments, offense. He stepped away in big moments. Never stepped up. What's the go-to guy? Pal, in the, the mid-2000s, you, had to, mid 2000, you had to win 48-50 yeah. to get the eight. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's that's a tough argument to go with. I mean, you know, I mean, I think the argument Randolph. I think the I argument think is Randolph or Pat. I, I don't think Marcus Saul belongs in our. I think Marcus Saul and then Conley, maybe the most popular. They're finesse players. Yes. Because uh, they're finesse players. 
but uh, it's between Powell and Zebo, in my opinion. And I think Powell's, I think Powell is, is slept on for how great player he was, how great he was. Because you got to think in the world games, dominated, won championship, beat America, right? Took the Grizzlies. Unheard 50 of. wins to get the eight seed. Unheard of. The Grizzlies, even if they do it, then we got close to the playoffs. Goes to the Lakers. Too. Without him, Kobe don't get them last just two. The you know what I mean? But just as the Grizzlies alone, I believe Powell was the best player. But I think Zebo is the greatest Grizzly because the Grizzlies you know, gimmick Zach that went along the with the power forward position. And to me, a lot of people don't like it when I say this, but Zach's top 25 power forward of all time. I think a lot of people don't. We 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 had to we had to break we had to break it down, but uh, no, he's nowhere not. close to the guys we were talking not. about earlier. I, if he was top twenty five, he'd be like 24, 25. I'm just saying, the way that he played that position, his body, his presence of mind, the way he moved his body on the court, and the fact that he was six nine, which is kind of an undersized power forward, especially in this era, you know, you, and the fact that he schooled guys like Lamarcus Aldridge, who was considered the best power forward, and we made him look like a clown during the. Bully ball, man. Because Zebo, like I used to think this about Blake Griffin. Like when his athleticism left him, he wouldn't be able to play the game. He's become a better basketball player. But Zach Randolph didn't depend on athleticism. He was never like just dunking on everybody or no shit like that. He had straight basketball ability. And that's why I think he was able to do it. Okay, okay. Uh, no, that makes sense. Of course he does. It's all my organs do. Yeah, yeah, man, it's, it's been it's been hour, fun, man. But uh, oh, let me ask you something real quick. Did you watch? Did you watch the? Uh, yeah. You know, did you watch the uh, horse competition? Did you watch that? Dude, and I'm gonna tell you why. I was so excited about it for years. I said this years ago that Mike Conley and Chauncey Billups had this. Oh, the horse on the NBA. I thought you were talking about like a derby or something. He didn't watch the horse races. Like, Sorry, man. You're like, yeah, you're like fuck tickle my fancy. Fuck. All those names they have for the horses. Uh, all those Chrissy names they have for the horses. So my okay. bad. I was well, thrown uh, off there a little bit. Horse was cool. Yeah. I knew Bill was going to win. I knew they was going to come down to Bill and Conley. Years ago, I said that. I said that because none of them had – they were great. They were great at their position. And Chauncey obviously was better, of course. You know, Chauncey was better. But I thought because they didn't have very sexy styles but made big shots. And I always thought they had the same similar style. And for those two to go at a horse was really cool for me. I thought they had – really cool for me. I thought they had – I completely agree. I mean, they both played on team-oriented situations with their success and everything. I, I, I see the analogy. Bill's a lot bigger, uh, Conley a lot uh, quicker and everything. Well, anything else you got, man? So we touch on uh, Dirk don't get credit because he's white. Why Robin don't get in the conversation. We talked about the documentary. We talked about Gronk. Uh, we yeah, yeah. Cal- we hate Calipari. Memphis State got fucked. Yeah. By the NCAA. Man, I, hey, man, we'll, hey, man, we'll ball market from here and continue another day. Thank you for joining me. Always, always a pleasure. pleasure I always appreciate it. every time you came on all my shows. All right, that was Hank Russell. I am Quentin Bailey, former of the Beast of Sports Gab. I am the this is the Savage of Sports Talk. I am the King of Straw Style Radio Beast.